Today's episode is about explicit language. And as such, it has, well, explicit language. So if you're with the kids, I'd recommend waiting till later. And then if you want to hear Dave Jackson dropping an F-bomb or two, tune in. Today we are joined by, well, I'd say two legendary podcasters. One of these is Dave Jackson. He's in the Podcasting Hall of Fame. He's been at it for a couple weeks or, well, eh, about 15 years, so <laughs> you might be familiar with uh, what he's doing. And we also have with us Daniele Bolelli, one of the top history podcasters in the world with his History on Fire podcast, as well as the Drunken Taoist podcast. How are you guys doing today? I am not unwell. Oh, <laughs> well, good, man. Thank you for having us. Hey, it's great to have you guys. Now, this is a follow-up to a previous conversation that I had with um, Christopher Lockhead and Super Joe Pardo, where we discussed podcast hosts charging guests to be on the shows. Now, Christopher Lockhead is an amazing individual, but he's a very passionate guy, and as such, will use a little bit of um, profanity here and there to express how he feels. Now, Dave Jackson was kind enough to listen to the episode, and he shared some feedback and expressed that he felt it could have been handled in a better, maybe more approachable manner. So I invited Dave to come on the show, along with Daniele Bolelli, because you, Daniele, do use explicit language on at least one show, and you've been on Joe Rogan several times. Sure. And Joe Rogan, of course, does have explicit content. Do you have any thoughts, Daniele? I guess it's funny because when I was first introduced to podcast, like my very first podcasting experience was being on Rogan's show in 2011. And I didn't know anything about podcasting. I'm like, pod, what What are we doing here? I, what is it exactly? And and I think it was Brian Redman was there before Joe arrived. And he was like, oh, it's kind of like radio, but you can cast. I'm like, okay, cool. Got it. You know, it's like... And the way the way I handle it, actually, I do it differently in History of Fire and in Drunken Taoist. Like in Drunken Taoist, yes, because it's a chatty podcast. It's an interview podcast. There is sort of the language that you would do in everyday life, which in my case includes uh, talking like a sailor, and that's part of it. When I do History on Fire, it's for a different audience. So I actually don't. I try to keep it. I actually don't not try. Now that I think about it, I don't think I've ever used explicit language on History on Fire. I keep it more straight and narrow because the idea is we'll um it's for a different audience, you know, it's like there's gonna be moms listening with their eight-year-old kid. I, I don't wanna, you know, make them uh, weirdly uncomfortable now i think they are crazy because the subject matter is uncomfortable enough that i probably wouldn't recommend it with an eight-year-old kid language or no language but since they choose to do so at least i feel like maybe you know it's not necessary when i'm doing a history podcast whereas in the course of conversation where it feels like it's warranted in more regular chatting about politics or sexuality or sports or whatever it is that may come out natural for some guests, and that, and that doesn't bother me. 
So I kind of keep uh, two different tracks when it comes to explicit language. For Drunken Taoist, it's one story, and for History on Fire, it's a very different story. Wow, it sounds like we may wind up having a heated agreement. Dave, what are your thoughts? <laughs> well, um, what was the name of your guest? That was Christopher Lockhead. Oh, yeah, Christopher, yeah. And the thing that got to me that I was just like, wow, is he was like, he was getting ready to start. And he was like, uh, it, it, and he's like, am I? Am I allowed to swear? And and you like yeah, go ahead. It's a podcast. And it was like the guy was like, oh okay. Like he didn't like he didn't know how to talk without swearing. That was the thing that got me. I was like, really? Like there's no other way to communicate. So I thought that was interesting. And uh, I, I agree kind of with what Danielle said. It's, it's to me. I don't have a. I'm not a prude. I mean, I grew up listening to George Carlin and and Richard Pryor and and everybody else. And um. I agree. Are, are we, I guess we're still allowed to swear on this show. <laughs> but um, George Carlin said one of the things that sticks in my mind, he goes, fuck is the word you say for the end of the argument. Like, it's a precious word. It's like, hey, fuck you and the horse you rode in on, man. He goes, you saved that one. And I, so when I hear people just using, like, what do you have for breakfast? Oh, some fucking Cheerios and sugar and some motherfucker. And I'm like, wait, 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 hold on. You're, you're, you're lessening the value of the f word and to me that's precious you save that one for the, <laughs> the end of the argument and the other thing i don't think that most people agree or, or know of and this list is courtesy of my buddy daniel j lewis because he's boy if you want the details he's the man these are the these are the countries that you are banned from if you mark one one episode explicit it's it's a case where one bad apple spoils the whole barrel and this is i'm gonna have fun trying to read these bahran uh Belaris? Uh, Brunei, Belarus, Belarus. Thank you. See, I, you feel free. Cause I'm going to butcher these, <laughs> uh, Brunei, mm, boy, uh, Jerusalem, uh, Burkina Faso, Chad, Egypt, India, Jordan, Lebanon, Nepal, Oman, uh, Q A T A R Qatar, Cutter. Cutter. I'm like, there's no U in there. Uh, Saudi Arabia, Tunisia, the United Arab Emirates. Uh, uh thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, and use Uzbekistan and Yemen. Now, you could go into your stats and see, okay, well, how many downloads am I getting from all those countries? But it's just one of those things that, hey, just so you know, if you're trying to reach everybody, is it really worth saying that guy was a piece of shit? Like when you could have said that guy was an idiot or that guy had the brains of an ice cube. I mean, I, I was reading Howard Stern's book, his new one, Howard, Howard Stern Comes Again, and he mentions how – when he was on terrestrial radio, it was kind of fun because there was a, a barrier that you could not sure. cross. And so he had to get creative and, and say things that, you know, he has to start talking in double entendre, which is kind of then funny because you know that he knows that I know that that really was that. But when you can say anything, he goes, it kind of takes the fun out of it because you're not really pushing the envelope because there is no envelope. It's you can say whatever you want. Speaking of that book, I have to say that is the most expensive book by words I have ever seen. I really expect it to be something, but it turns out that it's nothing more than about three paragraphs and then a transcript of an interview. Yeah, I'm about halfway through, and it's. I, I thought, I guess, it was going to be a little more about how we did interviews, and it's not. It's just the interview and a little bit about what he was going through maybe in his life at that time. But it's not like this is how I approach this interview. There's not a lot of how to. And I'm only about halfway through at this point. Yeah, it's ridiculously expensive. My goodness. So do you have any thoughts on this, Daniele? 
No, I mean, it makes sense. It's, uh, I think, I really think it's, uh, it depends on the audience you're trying to reach. It depends on what you're trying to do with it. I do get the idea that, uh, you know, yeah, if you're throwing F bombs, every three words is sort of cheapen it. Like it becomes just uh, how you speak. It doesn't, you're not even expressing anything by it. It's kind of like saying, you know, every three words. It becomes, uh, just a habit, not something that you do to actually emphasize a concept. So I, I, I do like it when it's used to emphasize a concept. Now, maybe you end up wanting to emphasize a concept a lot, in which case you use it a lot. <laughs> but of course, there's a boundary, right? There's a clear line that once you do it once too many times, there is no emphasis anymore. It's just how, just the way you speak. And yeah, it can get lazy sometimes. Um, so I feel, uh, I feel kind of both ways in that regard. You know, I feel like it doesn't bother me when I pod, when I hear it on a podcast and, um, you know, I have no issues with it. Um, I do see how in certain contexts or with certain, you know, if you want to reach certain countries, as you were saying, you may want to stay clear or you may want to reach a certain audience. Well, that's really kind of uncalled for with that particular audience. Um, so I really think it's like being dogmatic about it either way doesn't serve anybody you know there's perfectly appropriate in some contexts not so much in other contexts yeah and the other thing about that is i don't know how you guys are but for me it's almost a sign of trust or intimacy because i know when i was growing up like nobody cussed around their parents right Mm -hmm. they can't do that but boy when i got around certain people boy we we let it fly but if I was at my church group, okay, not going to do it there. Like, but it was a matter, but it was a matter of like, hey, I trust you guys. We can all kind of let our hair down here and uh, and and be a little more informal. So in that way, I I can see why some people might want to use it. I I can see I can hear them now going, look, I'm just that's the way I am. I'm going to be real. Yeah. I can hear that that exercise. And for that, I don't I don't care. I just like I said, I just thought it was interesting that uh, that Christopher just seemed like he just could not communicate. <laughs> without them. And I was like, Oh wow, that's, that's, I just found that interesting. In defense of Christopher on this. And I do think it's very relevant. He really wanted to swear because he feels strongly about charging. (laughs) He really hates it. Yeah. From the get go. I think that's what he's really saying. Can I talk like I normally do? Yeah. No, I don't just hate charging. I fucking hate charging. Yeah, Uh, that's it. And that's where it's coming from. He really wanted to punctuate it. And in that case, I'd say that the fuck was sacred to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's actually a big part of why I got Chris on there, because Chris is super passionate about everything. And I knew that he would deliver. I mean, he's a three-time legendary Silicon Valley CMO. Really, really smart dude. Yeah. Now, I guess we kind of resolved everything, or at least maybe ran out of steam. And I sort of expected that to happen. But I wanted to talk about another subject, and that's Luminary. And I thought it'd be great to kind of hash everything out where they are now. Dave, you're from the host side, and Daniele actually has a show on Luminary. Nice. And I feel like Luminary's kind of taken it in the nuts a little bit. But I also like to see that podcasters have yet another means or way to actually make money or maybe even a living off of the podcast. Yeah, it's uh, when they first started off, it's always interesting when these companies get into podcasting. And appear to do zero research on what has come before them. And so they started off, and first it looked like they were hosting your file. So if you're on 
Podbean or Libsyn or Blueberry, like they were making a copy of that. Well, that's not going to work for a lot of people. And then there was a weird thing where they were putting it behind some other structure that drove people nuts. And it was just all these things. Proxy server. Proxy server. Thank you. And, you know, they have since, from what I understand, they have fixed all that. It was just one of those where it's like, had they asked anybody, they would have said, yeah, that's not going to work for people. And I think the big thing that that gets people's panties in a wad is there are people on that platform. We're basically being used, used is a strong word. Maybe that's not the right word, but uh, we, you know, by having all the podcasts over there, this makes it easy for somebody to switch from using, say, Apple Podcasts, where they don't get all the Luminary shows, to going to Luminary, where they get all the other shows they previously had and Luminary. And some people are making money and we're not. And I get that argument, but that's not I, – this is one of those depends things that always comes up in podcasting. Sure. Because some people have a real problem with that. I don't. I want to be everywhere. And if you want to – Give those people whatever it is, and I'm not getting a piece of it. That's all right, because I'm selling my own product in my podcast. So the more people I can get in front of, I could care less. Uh, God bless America. Enjoy your 40 bucks, and and we'll go from there. So uh, I kind of see both sides. I don't know. Uh, Daniele, what, do you, what are your thoughts on the – as you're on the other side, uh, was there anything that we didn't get to see that you got to see that you can share? And I'd love to hear the story of how you got into it. Yeah. What? Yeah, sure. I mean, I have um... – I have an agent that had pitched me a few things in the past and nothing really clicked that made sense. And then, so one day I got this message regarding Luminary and so they put me in touch and we went back and forth. And, you know, initially I was against it because I was like, eh, you know, let's be real. Anytime you put something behind a paywall, you're going to slash your audience. You know, you're going to lose the majority of your audience. And so there's no argument about it. And, you know, they gave me a good offer, but I'm like, it's a good offer, but I can probably get there on my own given enough time. So, and then the offer started getting increasingly better to a point where it was like, (laughs) okay, now I'm just stupid because I'll never get there. You know, it's like, so it, it was interesting to me because it was like, I figure, you know, especially when it comes to history podcasting, you know, Dan Carlin is sort of the undisputed master of the genre, and Dan Carlin only releases two episodes per year. So what I asked Luminary to do was like, hey, can we do a compromise? Can you, you want 15 episodes from me? Great. Can we do two of those episodes are released everywhere, and then the other 13 are exclusive to you? The way I don't completely disappear, I'm not telling my audience, oh, screw you guys, I'll never see you again. I'll, I'll still deliver free content. But if I dedicate as many hours as I dedicate to research and preparing a product, I cannot really rely on the free model where maybe 1% or less of people listening actually support the podcast, where people start whining endlessly if you have too many ads, when you know all the ways that you actually make it pay some people have uh, strong complaints about. I'm like, I, I get all of the complaints. The problem is, okay, how does it work then? How do you expect somebody to put as much work as it takes to produce one of these things and not get paid? Because that becomes a full-time job. You know, you cannot do it on a, oh, by the way, thank you for the extra five bucks. Yeah, that's not going to do it when you got bills to pay. And so in that regard, that's where the Luminary offer becomes interesting because it's like, in their case, you know, they're fairly cheap. You know, they're like eight bucks a month. So it's like less than a Netflix subscription. The problem, and I do understand uh, the customer side of the equation, 
is that if they were the one source for all paid-for podcasting, great. If there was just one source for all paid-off TV content, great. People wouldn't have a problem. I mean, people would still would, but a large number of people would be okay with paying $8 for TV, $8 for podcasting, great. The problem is the fragmentation, that inevitably you're going to have... uh, you know, the same way as people pay for HBO and then they have Hulu and then they have Netflix and then they have these. It's like once you add it up, your $8 a month of these and these and that and the other, suddenly you realize, whoa, I have like 15 different subscriptions. That is an issue. You know, there's no argument. That's something. And, you know, I think Luminary, by going so strong with advertisement and investing heavily in big names and all of that, they are trying to establish themselves as the top name for that, not just as a contender, but as if you are going to get subscription stuff, you get it with Luminary. So that's their goal. You know, that's, of course, is a tall order. Of course, is a big challenge. Um, That's what they are shooting for. Would you mind going into the process, what it actually takes to create an episode? Yeah. Because I think people would really need to appreciate. Yeah, and I think that's what makes the history podcasting a little different from others. You know, there are some podcasts that require a lot of work, but many, you know, when I do Drunken Taoist, it doesn't require that much work. You know, you have do minimal research, you have a cool conversation, edit, record, boom, done. doesn't take that much. History on Fire, I have to read, uh, I have to become an expert in a subject in a really short period of time. So that means maybe reading six, seven, eight monographs on that one topic. So you got, you know, your 4,000 pages that you read and you take extensive notes on. Uh, then you need to start putting those notes together, try to figure it out in a way that actually has become narratively interesting and not just a recitation of a bunch of facts that put people to sleep. So, you know, when you add it all up between the research, the crafting, the narrative and all together, easily I spend uh, anywhere between 100 to 200 hours of work for one episode. So, you know, you release a two hour episode, but there are like 150, 200 hours behind it. Clearly, you cannot put that kind of time and not get paid because it, I mean, if you, you, you can, but you do release two episodes a year. You know what I mean? If you do it as a hobby, you spread it over six months, those 200 hours, then you're fine. Then, sure, you can choose to do it as a hobby. And if people give you five bucks, great. If you do it every month or like I have been like putting 15 episodes a year, that's a full-time job. That means I have to cut down heavily on anything else I do to pay the bills because I just simply can't do it. So that's part of what makes the case of the historical podcasting a little tricky is that it's so labor-intensive that you really cannot afford to do it regularly unless you know that money's coming in. Well, thank you. I really wanted people to get a chance to understand exactly what kind of effort you're putting in. I mean, I know Dave puts a lot of work in his show or shows. or How many shows do you have anyway now, Dave? It's funny. Somebody just said, I think I'm up to five. I, I, I just killed one. So it's it's one of those things that uh, many of those are done to test different platforms. So like I do one show called the Podcast Rodeo Show. The only reason I started that is I want somebody asked me about Pinecast and I'm like, all right, got to make another show. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, if I could go back in time, uh, I would rather have one show that I spent you know, uh, if I took all my efforts and put it into one show, 
not that my show's bad, but it would be much better if I could focus on on one. I think it's it's hard. Even right now, I I started uh, as I'm kind of winding one show down. I really thought I would love to do or try a hyper local show. I live in Akron, Ohio. I'd love to do already own the domain akronpodcast.com. And I was like, you know, what would it take? And I started to assemble the resources and the links and here's where I could get all the information I could do. And like halfway through, I'm like, hold on, you're, you're getting sucked in buddy. I'm like, you keep going a little further. You're going to end up starting this podcast and you still have to sleep and eat and exercise and work. And I'm like, you know, just, just, just because it's easy to start one, uh, it doesn't. And, and the whole thing is it's easy to start a podcast. It's not easy to start a good podcast. And that's when I went, uh, hold on. Well, you know, I'm not really testing any new platforms or anything like that. And I want to, instead I reached out to some guys that do local podcasts and I go, I've always wondered, is it easy to get like local sponsors? And they went, yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, there you go. I just saved myself months of work. So if you, if you have an audience, you can go over to Luigi's pizza because the, in theory, the only people that are going to listen to an Akron podcast or people in Akron that want to keep up with what's going on, or maybe people have moved away and want to see what's going on in the hometown. But uh, a few people I talked to, they're like, yeah, they go, it's not, it's not like fish in a barrel easy, but you still have to explain to people what a podcast is and things like that. And I went, well, that's basically what I was looking for. So, and then the other thing I was going to try to position my, I'm like, I don't know if people in my hometown know that they have a podcast dude that, you know, if businesses want to start a podcast, I'm right here. I could come help you. So, but I just, I stopped myself mid, mid, uh, mid launch. I was like, okay, uh, that's, that's enough. That's interesting. You bring up a good point or make me think of something. Danielle, I believe reaches into almost a wider audience or more mainstream. And you're kind of, I'd say deep into the nerd culture. Would you say? Yes, I am. I am a giant podcast <laughs> nerd. King nerd. So it says on my business card. Yeah. And I'm somewhere in the middle. Danielle and I were actually talking before the interview about getting more people. In. What, what do you see as a way to get more people into the medium and actually trying it out and listening? Danielle, do you have any thoughts on this? Uh, I mean, I definitely see it happening already. Like I see it growing every year, like five years ago, even not even a million years ago, even just five years ago. Uh, majority of people that I would mention podcasting to had no idea what I was talking about. Now, the and of course, it's generational too. You know, younger audiences inevitably know a lot more about podcasting, older audiences a little less. But I do see it happening more and more. Uh, there definitely is the issue of um, all the different platforms. And now with subscription services, all the different subscription services that, you know, when you're trying to introduce something new to people, having a one-shop uh, take-all kind of thing, you know, just go on iTunes, click podcast, and now there are all these choices, look at the various categories, pick what interests you, and you can look at some, of, you know, that's an easy enough process. Once you start having to look in many different places, of course, it makes it a little harder. Um, but that, you know, that's inevitable. Everybody wants to make money, so a bunch of different people are starting their own podcast, they're starting their own premium content, and that's just the nature of the business. Um, your students, you're a professor at diff different universities, right? Sure. Do you approach them about podcasting, or do they ask yeah, you? Yeah, I actually, I mean, sometimes, yeah, I'll have students who are like, oh, I listen to your podcast, or something like this. But I also use it in the class, because uh, some of the history topics, if I happen to have a course that's on a similar topic, 
I'll use maybe a podcast series I've done on a particular issue because uh, usually you have a chance to go so much deeper. I mean, it's kind of my way of showing, like, you know, when we do history in the classroom, it's so surface level. You know, I may have to talk about, uh, I don't know, let's see, somebody I cover, like Theodore Roosevelt. I'll talk about Theodore Roosevelt in 10 minutes on a U.S. history course. He did this, this was cool, blah, 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 next, jump on, because you have to cover a lot of material. And I say, that's fine when you want to get a surface level overview of things. But sometimes the fun of a story is where you dive deep where suddenly you care about the character, where you see the world through their eyes. And in order to do that, you have to spend time. There's no way you can do it for every topic in a U.S. history course. It would take you five years. So what I do instead, maybe I'll build one assignment on listen to this uh, Roosevelt series. is four or five hours of work. You check it out. And by then, you see history in a whole different light you know it's very narrow it's very specific the one topic you're going to do this assignment on but it gives you a taste for how history can become storytelling and can become actually fun in a way that sometimes the surface level is not so i think it's a good measure to mix the two you know you, you have to cover a bunch of material in a course so you go surface level and then you do a few deep dives occasionally get, that give people a taste for what it can be like when you have the time to dive deeper. Well, that's cool. So that sort of implies to them that each of these other people that you see could have their own podcasting series. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think it's a great place to start wrapping up. Does anybody have any words of wisdom, thoughts, ideas? Let's start with Dave. Well, we, we started off talking about... Um, to cuss or not to cuss. Uh, the, the good, the good news is it's really up to you. If you want to just be sure to mark your show explicit and, and, uh, let the chips where they fall. There are plenty. Joe Rogan right now is, you know, there's a guy that's definitely not, uh, his show is explicit and he seems to be doing okay. So, uh, so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not a, uh, a black and white issue. It's really up to you and you do what you want to do. And, uh, the bottom line is just, just start. So many people are thinking about planning to brainstorm to maybe do a focus group. No, just start. Just just get going, and uh, you can fix it in the mix. I'm an old musician. You just fix it later. But you can't. Uh, you don't have to be great to start, but you do have to start to be great. And where can people find you, Dave? You can find me at schoolofpodcasting.com. Fantastic. Daniele, any parting words? Um. Yeah, speaking of fragmentation of things, my stuff is all over the place because, you know, there's the Drunken Taoist podcast, that's one, History on Fire, even though, again, History on Fire now is primarily with Luminary behind the paywall, but there will be a couple of episodes released to the general public every year. Books, uh, danielebolelli.com, you know, there's too many things. <laughs> I, I forget sometimes. D. Bolelli on Twitter? Yes, yes, yes. That. And daniellebolelli.com probably has links to everything? Probably, I'm hoping. I should look. And do you have any final nugget of wisdom? God, sorry, I was just trying <laughs> to get out all the cussing part in the, at the end. But no, thanks for having us. Hey, thanks so much, both of you guys, for coming on. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, please consider subscribing for free. And I mean for free. It is always free. There's no billing, anything else. You can subscribe in your player of choice, which is probably right in your hands. Or you can go to unstructuredpod.com, and there are plenty of links there. Thank you so much. And in the spirit of sharing, here's a couple more shows you may want to check out. 
I did not grow up with very much money. Money's energy. Money is something that, that really scares me. You had about 60 grand in debt. Money isn't the answer. Somebody should just give me a lot of money. My dream was to be the WWE wrestler, but you realize that your dreams change over the years. Money's a tool. It's a key to a gate. And at the other side of the gate is the things that you really want to do with your life. It's the things that matter most to you. It's pursuing those values that make you ultimately happy. Listen to Inspired Money at inspiredmoney.fm. Hi, I'm Tyson Franklin, the host of It's No Secret with Dr. T, which is a small business and marketing podcast. Each week, I interview business leaders who openly share the secrets to the massive success. It's No Secret with Dr. T will educate, entertain, and inspire you. Check it out. You'll find it wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can go to my website, tysonfranklin.com.